Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in. Our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their purpose. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Young businessmen, welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and today is episode number 30. So we're just kind of plugging along here with the uh, the podcast train. And uh, today I have a, an awesome guest that I'm really excited to share his story with you. He's a guy that I've gotten to know over the last couple of years and uh, had actually mentioned to me that one of the things on his bucket list was he wanted to be on a podcast. And I said, buddy, I'm your Huckleberry. I have just the platform for you. And uh, he actually is a, a part of the Young Businessmen of Tulsa. He comes to the uh, the monthly luncheons, and he's very active in the community of Tulsa. I'm going to classify him as an entrepreneur himself because of all the different things he's out uh, going and doing. He's also a speaker as well. Uh, his name is Emeka Naka. Did I say that right, Emeka? Said they, said they Perfect. Right. There's two N's in Naka. I, d- I didn't want to be the one that uh, didn't get, give each N the proper enunciation. So. <laughs> but uh, Emeka, first and foremost, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. And second of all, I don't know that I can really introduce you better than you can. So if you don't mind, tell everybody a little bit about who you are and uh, what you've been up to. Man, all right. You did a, you're on a roll there. Um, so <laughs> I'm Mecca Naka. I am your resident uh, speaker, aspiring author, teacher, motivator, encourager. Um, I'm a guy that just likes to bring people together and unify uh, individuals. So right now, uh, I am working on my master's at the uh, University of Oklahoma. Uh, in human relations, awesome. building my speaking business, and uh, yeah, just wanted to make a difference one person at a time. That's fantastic. So when we first met you, and I'm going to give a little bit of a history of how we know you, when we first met you, you actually had come to the YBT to be a, a beneficiary of our Pay It Forward initiative. Is that right? I think. Oh, I yeah, think- yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's so crazy. I forget that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was like, I want to say like a year and a half, two years ago. And so I'd never met Emeka before. For those of you who don't know, the Pay It Forward initiative is something that we came up with as a group. And what we wanted to do was we wanted to find ways to give back to the community. So our group gets together every month, to, uh, the second Monday of every month at, at a restaurant, and we talk uh, a little bit about the group, but we also have a speaker come. And so as we were doing that, that, that part was fantastic. We were creating opportunities for businesses and people to network with like-minded individuals. And we were learning from these amazing speakers that we would have come in and talk to our group. And so one of the things that I felt was missing uh, as I was talking to the leadership was how can we get more involved in the community? Because if we want to influence culture and change our community, how are we going to do that if all we do is get together in a room and just talk to each other? It needs to go beyond those walls. And so that's where the Parrot Forward initiative kind of came from was it was an opportunity for us to 
reach out beyond what the organization is doing, but at the same time help create opportunities for the people coming to our uh, to our meetings to to give back and almost train them through by doing to, to give back as well. So when Emeka came in, uh, I believe you had been, man, what was it? You, you had, I was fundraising for my van. Yeah, but you, you were in a contest. Oh, yeah. yes. And, oh, and, yeah. And you were like really, really close fundraising for your van. So tell me a little bit about the contest. I was in this contest, this local hero contest uh, to win. And to give people a little bit of backstory, I am a quadriplegic. I'm in a wheelchair. And I was looking for a van um, to get around the city to, to do the things that I wanted to do with school and working and things like that. And someone had approached me with this opportunity to enter this local hero contest. They saw the things that I've been doing in the community and was like, you know what, I think you'd be a shoo-in for this contest. And so it was in, you know, uh, the contest was in America and uh, Canada. And so I had to put together a two-minute video on who I was and things that I was doing. I had gotten people to, you know, all over the city to vote, and everybody was voting for me. It was like a three-month thing where people were getting up every morning. You could vote every day. You could do trivia to make your vote count twice. Um, And so many people were um, on this, you know, I had a hashtag, Make Mecca Mobile. And (laughs) it was everywhere, man. It was the, you know, I had a couple of news stories going on about it. Uh, was taught, you know, people were waking up every morning and voting and I get to June and, you know, I made it to the semifinals and it was just powerful, dude. Like I, I just knew that I was going to get this thing and I did not win that contest. Um, I remember the morning that I woke up to find out that, um, some other individuals had been selected And it was rough because I wasn't necessarily um, sad for me. I was kind of sad for everyone that had been voting. And, you know, I I just rallied all the troops. I got everyone behind me. And it was like, ah, now I got to tell everybody that, uh, (laughs) like, we lost. And um, it was, dude, it was was tough. But I did know that there was, you know, that, you know, God had a plan. I knew that, you know, I just had to trust timing and trust the process and so someone said hey you know why don't you uh start fundraising and i was like all right you know let's let's try fundraising what was interesting once i started fundraising i realized that that contest i didn't lose that contest at all what that contest actually did was it gave me like momentum and it actually provided the groundwork it did the groundwork for the fundraising because at this point Everyone knew what I was fundraising for. And if you were waking up every day voting for me for three months, you could donate like $5 here, $10 there. <laughs> yeah, like you, you could sacrifice a sandwich. And so I was, you know, getting close to um, $20,000 to get, you know, to find a van to, uh, to get. And I was just about $2,000 shy of my goal when I was introduced to YBT. And I came in there and I get to, I got to talk to you guys and share my story. And you guys actually raised the last bit that I needed to. It, was, it wasn't very long after that that I found the van that um, I wanted. It was in the price range that I, I had set out. Um, the next week or two over, I went up to Oklahoma City and purchased my van. 
Awesome. And uh, yeah, beautiful van that I drive in named Savannah now. <laughs> Savannah, I like it. <laughs> every I, every van needs a name. I I have a minivan as well, but uh, it does not have a name. I'll have to. <laughs> I'll have to you figure have to get out on that, man. Yeah. <laughs> Hearing your story, kind of talking about the contest and what you're doing and kind of how you uh, kind of got to where you were at that point was was fantastic. And then having the opportunity to, to really help you get the rest of the way there, like that was where it really kind of came full circle for, for me because I was like, you know, this went from an idea of, you know, how can we give back and just help people to you became the embodiment of the of of that person we were trying to help and I was like man how cool is that that just from from concept to completion like where we can really impact lives so we were honored to do that and I appreciate you coming in and 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 first of all you know putting yourself out there to tell your story to 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 go do that but then be willing to go and and find those places to put yourself out there to raise that money and um it, it, it for me it was it was a really enjoyable thing to see you get that van and now uh, as I've gotten to know you that van has been a fantastic tool for you to really get your mobility back yeah man um, honestly it was an absolute grind um, I I will never forget that year because it kind of just set the pace for um, the way I want the rest of my life to go as far as just you know getting in there and getting after it but um, like you said about the whole paying it forward, you know, that it, it was big for me um, just because it allowed, like you said, it allowed me to really do the things that um, I really wanted to do. And it allows me to pay it forward. You know, that, like you said, that van allowed me to really finish school. And I, again, as involved in the community as I am now, uh, I don't think I, I'd still be doing it without the fan, but I don't know if I would be doing it to the level that I'm doing it now. Yeah. Um, you know, without, you know, a, a way of transportation. Well, if you don't mind, I would really love for you to kind of dive in your story a little bit. Uh, you were gracious enough to come speak to a leadership Bixby class, uh, that I hosted with a, a friend of mine and, uh, you, you kind of gave a little bit of your backstory and I would really, I'll be honored if you would do the same thing here and kind of tell a little bit about your journey and uh, some of the things that you've overcome uh, getting to this point and uh, kind of how you had to change your perspective on from, you know, when you were this all-star athlete all the way to, you know, uh, having to start over again. So if you don't mind, kind of give our listeners a little bit of a, a backstory on you. Yeah, man. Um, so I am not a native of Tulsa um, or North Oklahoma. I moved here in 2007 to go to school at Oral Roberts University from Georgia uh, by way of Washington, D.C. And uh, when I moved here, my plan in general was just like any person, you know, any kid getting out of high school is like, you know, they put you on that traditional, that traditional track. You know, you're going to go to school, get a degree, get a job. Uh, make a life. And so that was the track that I was on was like, you know what? Okay. Um, I'm here. I'm going to get this degree and I'm going to, you know, get a job, make a life. But when I moved here, I knew that I had some talents and some gifts that I wanted to make sure that I got, um, I wanted to get the best out of myself and I wanted to, uh, tap into my full potential. And so I got the opportunity to play for uh, football for a semi-pro team here in Tulsa and began my career, you know, continued my career because I did play some football back in Georgia. After our first year, I won a championship. Opportunities began to kind of roll in. 
uh, got calls from different schools, uh, different uh, places to go to. And if you've ever been in a position where you felt like this is it, this is the thing that I'm going to do. This is the, this is how I'm going to make my family proud. This is how I'm going to make a life. The, you'll know where I was at. Yeah. Like this was, this was it. I was extremely excited because growing up, I've never been the academia type. You know, I was in school. I was a smart guy. I just never really applied myself. And so I was the kid that always got in trouble. The teachers called my house on the first day of school, things like that. When I got to ORU, my parents, you know, I would, you know, I, it was hard to really tell them how school was going because school was not going that great. And here I was now in a place where, okay, I finally have something that I can be proud of. I got something that they're going to be proud of. Like my life is now taking off. In 2009, uh, in a game in Arkansas, I go to make a tackle. Uh, tackled, you know, play I've made a hundred times before and something just does not feel right. And I can remember that I make this tackle, I go down and I'm just, you know, kind of just waiting for a second and my teammates like, you know, Mecca, you know, let's go, let's get off the field. And I'm like, give me a second. And a second turns to five, it turns to 10 and not, you know, things, everything is at standstill, like, and trainers are running out and they're, they're saying, you know, Hey, you know, Mecca, Mecca, like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I've got a stinger. And if you don't know what a stinger is, a stinger is when you kind of somewhat pinch a nerve and, um, it makes you numb for a second. And so I thought I just had a full body stinger. And as they're assessing the situation, I can hear the trainer saying things like C5, C6, C5, C6. And at that time, I had no idea what he meant. And after I would, well, I would later come to find out that C5, C6 was the level on which I had just broken my neck. And if things couldn't get any worse, about 10 minutes in, paralysis is now consuming my body and has moved from my feet to my chest. And if you're familiar with football, you understand that there's pads, there's a face mask, um, and I just ran down the length of a football field. And so I am out of breath, and it feels like there's an elephant sitting on my chest because my chest muscles are not working. Oh, wow. Um, I cannot get a deep breath to save my life. (laughs) (laughs) And as they are asking me these questions, you know what time it is, you know where you are, I'm fully there i'm completely lucid i just have a hard time breathing um and so they can't move me um so we are waiting for an ambulance they are doing the best they can to uh, keep me you know awake and i'm doing the best i can to stay awake so i'm taking these shallow breaths um i'm I'm still not really 100% sure of what's going on. Um, I just know that I can't move. At one point, uh, one trainer holds my foot up, and I'm looking at my foot, and I'm like, huh, okay, that's my foot, that's my ankle, that's my shin, that's my knee, that's my thigh. Yeah, that's my, that's my leg, and I can't feel it. And nothing is making sense right now. Like nothing, To me, nothing is making sense. 
And so after the, the, so the, everything surrounding this day was just kind of weird. Yeah. We're, we're playing at a new field in Arkansas. Um, so they call an ambulance, but we, and we usually have an ambulance at every game, but the ambulance that was there took a kid to the hospital who had an asthma attack. And so now we're waiting for an ambulance to come from like another city. And so I am fighting for my life and doing these breathing exercises for about an hour and 18 minutes on the field. Shallow breaths, like, you were on the, you were on the field like they so the game it ended then right the game was postponed i oh, mean wow. it was and imagine the hush of the crowd um the hush of the uh sideline the team like everyone around me kneeling down crying uh the crowd is silent it's just it's just not a good feeling like it's ominous it's, it's just it's it's out of, it's something out of a scary movie, honestly. <laughs> and um, me being me, I just know that you know, as people were you know crying, I remember just asking for cheerleaders to come over, hey, <laughs> and I'm just trying right, to get them. Call. Hey, you, I'm telling you, I'm like, hey, <laughs> let let's get some cheers going. Yeah. And um, as they are just cheering, you know, I'm keeping a upbeat. You know, I'm I'm pretty. I'm, I'm a generally. I don't really. I'm not panicking. And so the ambulance finally gets there. And as they are strapping me to the stretcher, um, for me, I have watched sports my entire life. And so I know I've seen people get hurt um, in sports. And whether you are walking off, limping off, being carried off, crawling off, you know, you do something to let the crowd know you're going to be okay. Yeah. And this is my moment to let everyone know that I was going to be okay. You know, an hour and something has just gone by, and I'm sure the crowd doesn't know if I'm dead or not. You know, they <laughs> they haven't seen me move. And so I'm, you know, in my mind, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to wave my hand. I'm going to put my thumb up. I'm going to let everyone know I'm going to be okay. This, this is my moment and where, you know, they're going to cheer because I'm good. You know, th- I'm okay. And I can't move anything. Wow. And... In that moment, I'm, I, I remember thinking, like, man, is, is everything going to be okay? And I get into the ambulance, and they are I'm on my way to the hospital. And I get to the hospital. They cut everything off. They drill my helmet off, cut uh, my pads off, cut my jersey off. Heck, they cut my socks off. <laughs> and um, I undergo – they chill my spine that evening – and I undergo a nine-hour neck surgery the next day. And so they go in, they put in a cage from C4 to C8 to, um, I guess, hold my head together. And um, after that, um, I spent 10 days in Arkansas um, in ICU there. And then I would come back to Tulsa and begin the process of rehabilitation. I'll tell you that while I was in when I was reading rehab, this is where, you know, everything kind of takes a, this odd turn because again, I, at this point, I'm kind of naive to my injury. I I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Uh, They say that I've broken my neck and I'm like, okay, you know, I see people with neck braces all the time in my mind. I'm like, okay, I'll spend, I'll spend some time in a neck brace. I'll spend some time doing therapy. Cool. 
while I'm at um, the hospital, I remember just really trying to adjust to this weirdness of not being on the football field, you know. And this is my first time really being in the hospital, like for me. Yeah. And so while I am there, I'm having a good time. Like I, again, my whole my whole outlook is that when I get out of the hospital, that things are going to be better when I get out. And so I'm flirting with my nurses. I'm sneaking dogs in. Like I'm I'm having a good time in the hospital. You you would not have known by my demeanor that. I was going through this difficult ordeal. Yeah. Spent three months in rehab and they begin to draw up my discharge papers. It was at this point that things were really rough because everything up until this point was geared toward getting out of the hospital. I busted my butt knowing that when I got out of the hospital that my life was supposed to go back to being what it was. Being getting hurt on the football field and going to the hospital that made sense because, you know, I just broke my neck. Having surgery to where they put in a cage in my neck, to me, that made sense because my neck was broken. Going through rehab made sense because I had to learn how to do these things again. But when they released me from the hospital and told me that this was my life, I could not walk and I could not stand up. And everything that I had envisioned getting out of the hospital to be when it wasn't, this was the first time that nothing in my life made sense. At this point, I was, this is when true devastation hit because this was not what I prepared for. Um, this was not the, the life that I had for myself at the age of 21. I, you know, it was just, it was just maybe a couple of days or a couple of months in which I was at the brink of all of my dreams coming true. You know, I was a champion and already, and I had opportunities opening up, you know, I was so proud of myself and I was proud of making my family proud. And here I was in a place where everything that I just worked for was gone. And that was hard. Yeah, Hard doesn't even begin to describe what it was. Because um, once, they re once they released me from the hospital, I would begin this. I would now start these seven hardest months of my life. Here I am asking myself questions like, uh, who am I? Uh, where will I go from here? Will I make a difference? Will I have a family? You know, they just told me that I just realized, I just found out that I am, you know, I've suffered a spinal cord injury and now I am beginning life as a quadriplegic. And for anyone who doesn't know what a quadriplegic is, is a person that has lost use of their four limbs. So feet, hands. And so I was, you know, I'm confined to a wheelchair now. And I, I, you know, I'm just going from being in the best shape of my life where I can run the, the speed that I had, the strength that I had, the height, um, the build to where I am now confined to a wheelchair and dependent on other people. Yeah. Whew, man. 
Man, I, I'll tell you that it, it, even now, just as I close my eyes and I just think about those, that moment of just, it was rough. It is almost like being like, I've, I've been to Hawaii once and I went boogie boarding and it was my first time being in the ocean. You never, you don't really know the power that water has until you are tossed by it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and there was a time where, you know, when I'm learning how to boogie board and this water, I get caught in this wave and it tumbles me over and it's like pounding you. You know, it's like wave after wave after wave and you're just getting pounded and pounded and pounded to where you don't know up is down, down is up. You know, you think you're straight, you're, you're straight up and then you hit the, the sandy floor and it's like, <laughs> oh, nope, that's, that's the bottom. That is what it felt like in my life is that I was being pounded wave after wave because it was like, okay, you know, not only is that school that you want to go to, that's not happening anymore. Football's not happening anymore. You can't walk. Your diet has to change. Um, I'm adjusting to this disability. I'm adjusting to people adjusting to it. Um, how, you know, I'm losing people, I'm losing my friends. It's, it's, it's just the one thing after the other. Yeah. You know, I tell people that when we are, as kids, we are taught that when you fall, you're supposed to what? Get back up. Get back up. Uh, for me, when I learned how to ride a bike, when I fell, I learned to get back up. When I learned how to roller skate, when I fell, I learned to get back up. When I, again, I told you before that I wasn't extremely good in academia, but when I failed my first test, I even learned how to get back up after that. But here I was in a place in my life where the question that I was asking myself is, what do you do when you fall and you literally cannot get back up? I found myself completely down, um, down physically, down spiritually, down emotionally, mentally, socially just where do you even even begin to piece together a life that is literally shattered in front of your face yeah and so seven months where i'm kind of just i guess i'm starting at the root of who i am like where who i am trying to find out my own identity because i had done like i think a lot of us do in our life where i became what i did and who i was was what i did and so you know, I could tell you that I was a football player, um, that I was the life of a, the party, that I, you know, I, but I could not, I did not know who I was. And when tragedy strikes, you really are left with who you are. You aren't what people think you are. You aren't what your parents say you are. Like, you are who you are. Like, you, you are lo lonely. Yeah. <laughs> or alone. And for me, loneliness took a whole new level when you look in the mirror and you don't even like who you see. You know, now that's a whole new level of loneliness. It's like, dang, why? Because at this point, when my accident happened, everyone's life paused. So like my friends, my family, my teammates, everyone's life paused. Strangers. When I was in the hospital, so many, I got so much love from people uh, that I didn't even know that would come and visit uh, because this was on the news. And so at this point, it was just like, okay, 
I, everyone is here for me. But after three months, people got to go back to school. People go back to work. People's lives just picked back up. And mine felt like it was still on stop, like not even pause. It just felt stopped. Yeah. And I'll never forget the day in which I woke up and went, you know, if it, it, it just, my phone didn't ring, not a text message, not a phone call. And it felt like I had fallen off the face of the earth. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, wow, like, I, where, what? Like, like, do, do I matter? Do, you know, but, um, at, you know, at this point, again, I'm doing the internal work and I am just maintaining this attitude of, man, I cannot give up. Like, this cannot be it. Um, you know, I am, you know, with faith, I just realized that I am, I'm better than the moment that I find myself in. Um, I drew inspiration from all types of different avenues. I mean, I, there, I was, there was a time that I was watching uh roadrunner and coyote and <laughs> i'm uh, honestly i i promise you man like i'm watching this thing and i'm like man if coyote can get up every single day and chase roadrunner every single day <laughs> and try that try coyote to get won't quit, him, man won't quit and i'm like man you know what i can find a little coyote in myself like i can i can get up and and do this thing and man it started with you know, doing some physical therapy. Um, and man, it, that's, that's a whole nother thing where trying to do things with my body that again, I, for 21 years, I've said, jump, I jump, reach, I reach, walk, I walk. And now it's not the same. Yeah. Like it's so I'm working with therapists and they are saying, you know, sit up, and I'm trying to sit up and it's just not the same. And it's just not, uh, it was just, it, it was hard. You know, I go from being able to bench press over 350 pounds to not being able to lift my hands over my own head wow. um, because of the way um, the body is and the level in which my injury. Um, so I'm starting with therapies and, the the difficulty of that and really just telling myself that there's got to be more like i cannot die today you know it's not, you know it's one of those things where i kept reminding myself that i did not die on the field that day to wake up and die on this day yeah and so i knew that there was you know that i I was capable that I was capable and that there was um, something more. And so it was just every day, just waking up with the fact that today is an opportunity. Um, and it's a new day that I can use to um, live life because honestly, it took me a while to get to this realization that I easily could have died that day. I e easily like yeah. one e just could have been gone. And so Every day after that truly is a blessing um, that I get and that a lot of people, you know, it's cliche because we don't 
it's cliche when I say this that you know a lot of people live you know but aren't but are alive but aren't living and I realize that it's because sometimes <laughs> I guess you when you get close to death you realize just how dead you already were um because you don't you know when it's almost when you when you almost lose yourself I guess is when you find yourself wow and that was for me is when I've you know really started to intentionally find myself and I'm in the process of doing it now still you know it's it's a it's an everyday process of trying to find myself and um so uh to give to concise this I went through seven months of this darkness um found some stars in a way of serving other people I got involved in the local youth group um, and found a purpose behind my pain and was able to serve some kids and give back to them. And that helped me realize that I still had purpose. And so I started looking for ways to use my life as a light. And that's how I got involved in kind of doing things in the community. Um, yeah. And just knowing that I was building, I hit rock bottom and I hitting rock bottom just gave me a opportunity to rebuild but rebuild better well you said that you were what you did at that point and so you almost yeah. had to reconstruct who you were or, or ultimately find out who you really were you know yes. at the time you thought you were this all-star athlete and you were but that's not who you really were that's what you did I definitely connect a lot with with what you were saying there because for a long time when I would go through and do things like I I would see myself as, you know, successful or whatever else. So that's, that's what I'd view myself as. But it, our society kind of pushes that on us too. It's like, what is the first question you ask when you meet somebody new? What, what do, you do you do? What do you do? And, yeah. and, and, and that helps us understand that person. It helps us understand who they are. What do they spend their time doing? And so for you, it was sports. But I think kind of through all this and redefining that purpose for your life and really identifying what that is, it's now serving other people or helping other people or showing other people that you can be alive and not living and and really help people to change their perspective a little bit. Because when I hear you talk about the struggle that you go through, I can relate in some capacity to some of the struggle. I, I think there's some parallels to things that people go through, obviously not nowhere near the battle that you've gone through. But one of the reasons that we have this podcast is to share with that next generation to help those people coming up who maybe haven't had to go through that yet. And I'm not saying that everyone's going to have an event in their life like this that they need to overcome, but there will be times that you feel that despair. You feel like you have to ask yourself those hard questions. Like, am I willing to do what it takes to survive? Am I really here for a purpose or am I just here to live day by day? And I think that, you know, a story like yours is one of those things that can hopefully shake people's mindsets to say, you know what, it's not just about doing ABC today. It's about being alive and about really living your life with intentional purpose because you are not necessarily the thing that you do you're more than that. And if you can find out what that more is, that's where purpose really comes into play. Absolutely. And the thing is, I, I do, I will say this, is that pain, it's all the same pain. Whether everyone in their life is going to, you know, for me, I broke my neck. 
but everyone in their own life has their own neck, you know, break, broken neck experience. Um, And it doesn't have to be the same. But again, it's like trauma is trauma, pain is pain. It's, it's the same for all of us. And the way I'll have to generate um, my own uh, will, my own will to do better, you know, is the same that someone else might have to do in their own business. You know, it all, it all relates to each other. And so that's why I do hope that if you are hearing this and you are hearing this story, if you're looking at my life thinking like, oh man, I could not do that. No, yeah, you can. Like you, you, you get to do it. You get to do it right now in your own life. Like what is that hard thing that you're facing that you think that you can't get through mm-hmm. um, and just get through it? You know what I mean? Like, and, and I, and I don't mean when I say just get through it, I think a lot of people mistake that for like, oh, you know, if I would have, if I would be able to get through it, then I would have already gotten through it. Like, yeah. no, it means it, what it, what it means is that identify the problem, find out a way, you know, find out solutions and execute on those things. Like we all have, to, you know, we don't know what we don't know until we learn it. You know what I mean? Like I didn't always know math, but I went to school. They taught me two plus two, showed me two plus two, and now I know two plus two is four. You know. Well, you're bigger than your problems, and I think a lot of times people look at problems as being these insurmountable things. Problems are what builds character, and so it's one thing to say you have character, to say you have integrity, to say you have strength, but you don't really know that you have strength until you lift something that's heavy. And so yeah. I think if you can kind of change your your perspective of these challenges or these, these, these things that I'm struggling with in life, they're just getting in my way. But really what it is, is it's, it's helping create a stronger, more purposeful you. And when you have that, you don't have to ask that question. Do I matter? You, you know that you do because you've been able to overcome those things. You know, what's crazy is that you hear, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Well, growing up, I've heard that, and I, you know, we'd love to throw it out there. You know, what well, doesn't kill me makes you stronger until you're in a place where something almost kills you. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're like, now you have to respond and you have to decide, you know what, am I going to, am I going to make this, am I going to be stronger? Because the thing is this, in, in life, we're all going to find ourselves broken. We're all going to have something that that truly rocks us um, to our core. But the question that you ask yourself is, are you going to be um, salvaged or are you going to be ruined? Are you going to be rebuilt? Are you going to be remade? You know what I mean? Yeah. I you know for me, I know when I was broken, I decided that you know, my, my tower has come down, but I am going to rebuild this thing and I'm going to make I'm going to solidify this foundation um, I'm going to make this thing better than what came down. Wow. And so you look for ways to to do that by investing in things that outlast you. You don't you don't build your house on, you know, if you built your house on sand before and it gets washed away, you don't go back and build on sand. And so for me in my own life, I know that I've invested my life into other people because at the end of the day, that's what really matters. Um, that is what I found out. Because so, again, so let's go back to that question that I asked: What do you do when you fall? And you can't get up. Uh, for me in my life, I just for me it was like I don't give up. But what I realized is that 
in my getting back up, it wasn't just me getting up. It was people around me helping me get back up. Yeah. It was this community that, that rallied around me and said, you know what? You fall, you've fallen and you feel like you can't get up. Don't worry. We're going to help pick you back up. And that for me is the, when I realized that is what greatness is. Greatness is found in servitude and found in service of others. I now started to rework my life with that mindset of that greatness. If I'm striving great for, if I'm striving for greatness, that it, that's going to be found in the people that I get to impact on a regular basis. And so I live by my three eyes is once I found my identity again, you know, I realized my influence and when I realized my influence now, and now it is now the impact people. So identity, influence, impact. Uh, to change, to go back to perspective, you said something about perspective, and it's so powerful what perspective is. Because imagine this. Imagine if you were to get up um, this morning and you're on your way to a meeting and you have a blowout and your tire is blown out. You miss your meeting. You miss a couple of appointments. Um, let's say at, it's the end of your day and I ask you, you know, how'd your day go? Now, you might say like, hey, I had this blowout. It made, you know, it messed up my day, you know, because it, was a pre- it seemed like a pretty big deal in the grand scheme of your day. Yeah. So let's fast forward to the end of your life. You know, you're 100 and something years old, and I'm asking you, tell me about your life. I highly doubt that a flat tire is going to come up in the grand scheme of your life. And if it does, then you're just not doing enough of your life. <laughs> <laughs> but that is what, it, when you put the problems that we face on a regular day in the proper perspective, you'll realize that these problems are not as big as we make them seem in, in, the, in, in the moment. Yeah. And all perspective is doing is looking at the moment that you're in now from a later moment and asking yourself, is this as big as I think it is? Yeah. And for me, I, yeah, so I broke my neck. I paralyzed my chest down, not walking, not playing football. It seems it, it, I say that and it seems like that's a big problem in the moment, or it seems like that's a big deal in the moment. Yeah. At the end of, at the end of my life, if I'm able to look and see the people that I've been able to impact, the lives that I've been able to make a difference in and truly find joy in every single day that I live, that flat tire is not a flat tire. Like it's not, it's not even, it's not even a problem. It's like, it's, it's, it's not a problem. Wow. There was so much there just kind of taking it in. I love the quote you said, invest in things that outlast you. I mean, if, if you were looking for purpose or if you're looking for how do I matter more in life, that's how you do it. That's the answer. And, you know, for me, just just hearing you talk about identifying your three eyes, your identity, your influence, your impact. I mean, all of this, all of this stuff are, are things that we I, th- I think a lot of times people, they know them or they feel like they know them. But you have to be reminded and you have to make them a priority in your life, because if you don't, you'll get back to that point where you're alive, but not living. And so I, I think, you know, through just those last couple of minutes of you talking, you've, you've kind of outlined 
a lot of the goals that that I would like are hopefully our listeners to to strive for, and it's definitely something that I want to strive for. So, uh, Mecca, thank you so much for for opening up and sharing your story with us, and 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 being so transparent with your journey. I mean, and that's one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on, obviously, to help you with your your bucket list of getting on a podcast. But I think that through your perspective, through your story, and through the things that you're doing now that I think you're actually stronger now than you've, you've ever been. And I'm honored to know you and uh, very, very uh, excited to see the work that you do in our community. But I think it's going to extend well beyond that. Yeah, I truly appreciate that, man. I'm, I'm so excited for what um, is happening right now with just being able to, you know, again, impact and, and use words to, to reach people's hearts. Like, I, I, I do appreciate that. Awesome. Well, thank you for being on the podcast and uh, Young Businessman, we'll catch you guys on the next podcast. Young Businessman, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the Young Businessman of Tulsa, check out our website at www.ybtok.com or email us at ybtoklahoma at gmail.com. If you live in the Tulsa area and would like to hear one of our great speakers live at our monthly luncheon, we meet on the second Monday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. Like us on Facebook for details about locations and upcoming speakers. Lastly, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast, where we connect, develop, and inspire young businessmen to find and pursue their purpose.